Since its inception in September 2012, the United States Patent and Trademark Office's Patent Trial and Appeals Board, or PTAB, has become the go-to jurisdiction for patent disputes in the U.S. We'll talk with Jones Day's Dave Cochran and Matt Johnson about what the PTAB filing numbers so far in 2019 tell us. They'll also update us on what's changed in patent litigation as we mark the one-year anniversary of the SAS Institute decision. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to Jones Day Talks. Matt Johnson is one of the firm's primary contacts on practice before the PTAB. Matt has consulted on nearly every one of Jones Day's nearly 300 PTAB cases to date. He currently serves as co-chair of Jones Day's PTAB practice. For more than 20 years, Dave Cochran has provided clients with a full range of patent legal services, including as lead counsel in more than 75 post-grant trials at the PTAB. Dave was part of the three-lawyer Jones Day team that prevailed at the Supreme Court and SAS Institute, Inc., via Yanku, fundamentally changing PTAB litigation practice at the U.S. Patent Office. Matt, Dave, thanks for being here today. Oh, thanks, Dave. Hey, thanks, Dave. Good to talk to you again. I keep thinking on one of these calls when we do these updates every quarter or so, you're going to say, yeah, Dave, not really much happening since last time we talked. It's been really quiet on the patent litigation front, but that's never the case, is it? Lots going on. Lots going on. We've talked again and again about the popularity of the PTAB as a forum for adjudicating the validity of patents. Matt, what are the numbers looking like so far this year? Uh, sorry to disappoint you, Dave, but uh, our numbers are, are still <laughs> still high flying, still uh, robust. Yeah, yeah, we're we're actually there. There has been a little drop from the past three years. We're on pace this fiscal year for about sixteen hundred and twenty-five filings. It's down a little bit from uh, around 1,700 the past three years, but it's still early in the year. We're, we're just barely halfway through it. So I'm not totally convinced that there's actually going to be a material difference by the time we get through the end of uh, 2019. But I, I mean, these are numbers that I, I've really been keeping an eye on because last year, 2018, was such a busy year at the, at the PTAB with a, a lot of changes starting from uh, the SAS victory back in, in April of 2018, changes to the uh, claim construction standard in November of 2018, and then a, a number of other procedural adjustments uh, along the way. I've been curious whether there's going to be an effect on how often petitioners are going to look to come to the board to have uh, patent validity taken a look at. And so far, the numbers are, are still very high. It's, it's again, going to be the PTAB's going to be the busiest uh, patent forum in the, in the nation. The big change in 2018 that I thought might have an effect, a downward effect on petition filings was the claim construction standard change, where we changed from the broadest reasonable interpretation standard that was pretty beneficial for petitioners, patent challengers to the Phillips standard, which now aligns the claim construction standard at the PTAB and uh, in district court. That change is a bit patent owner friendly, and it makes petitioners make some interesting uh, and often difficult strategic decisions early in cases. But the downtick in, in petition filings is, is very small, uh, maybe even smaller than I, I thought it might be. Overall, the number of cases that are in the system, it's, uh, you know, from the PTAB through appeal is very high. In 2018, 35% of Federal Circuit appeals were appeals from the PTAB. That was up from 32% in 2017. And 2019 so far, we're, we're at 40% of all cases that the Federal Circuit hears are appeals from the PTAB. So the PTAB is uh, 
very busy itself and uh, keeping the federal circuit busy as well. And this is all still fairly new, right, Matt? I mean, this, this is, these are recent developments for the last couple of years. And I imagine the trend will hold for a while, I think. I mean, if the economy stays strong and innovation stays strong, people are going to be litigating patents. This is probably a trend we can look forward to seeing for a while, I would guess. Yeah, I think it's going to continue. I mean, overall, the number of patent cases filed is actually down pretty significantly since uh, 2012, maybe about 20% or so. But 2015, 16, 17, and 18 are all high-flying at the PTAB and really little signs of it slowing down. You know, Dave, uh, further on this, the federal circuit point, to put this, give a little more color of how, how amazing this is, is you've got 94 district courts in the United States, right. and you have only one patent trial and appeal board. But yet, there are more appeals to the federal circuit from just the PTAB than all of the 94 United States district courts. So Jeez. it's become a, you know, a major source of work for the federal circuit has become appeals from the Patent Trail and Appeal Board. I don't expect this to be on the front page of USA Today, but in terms of legal publications and legal scholars and so forth, are they aware of this massive, I mean, what kind of, I don't like to use the word burden, it's part of the process. But are people aware of this or is it just us talking, people well, like you guys? <laughs> I think it's mostly people like like us guys, people that are in the in the patent bar and that are following this stuff. And you know, further to your point about the the massive number of appeals and what it means to the federal circuit, which is all appeals in patent infringement cases go to the federal circuit. So they, they decide all the appeals. They don't go to the various appellate courts in the United States. They they all go to the federal circuit. And so what that means for the federal circuit is they've got about three hundred more cases per year that they have to deal with. So it's a, sure. it's a pretty substantial increase. And you know, they, there's only a certain number of uh, federal circuit uh, judges. Mm -hmm. And so what's been happening there is we're seeing a lot more of what are called Rule 36 affirmances. Mm -hmm. And if you're an appellant and you're trying to get a decision below, whether it's at the district court or at the Patent Trail and Appeal Board, if you're trying to get that turned around, that's the worst thing that can happen is you get a Rule 36 affirmance okay. because it means you lost. And not only did you lose, but the Federal Circuit issues a piece of paper which has one word on it, affirmed. So you don't even know why you lost. Oh. Um, so it's, it's kind of a controversial practice, but we're seeing a lot more of these summary affirmances, particularly in PTAB matters. So the practical result of all this is that it's really important that you do a good job when you're at the Patent Trail and Appeal Board because it's really it's really hard to get a decision overturned at the Federal Circuit. And so mm -hmm. it's about 75% of the time the Federal Circuit will affirm. And a lot of those are these Rule 36 affirmances, which can be really disappointing for the appellate. You said 75%? 75% of the time the Federal Circuit will affirm. And a bunch of those, a large percentage of those will be this Rule 36 where they just say that it's affirmed. So it becomes really difficult when you're appealing to the federal circuit out of a PTAB case, you've got to look for, there, there's certain kinds of issues that they've been gravitating towards. One is the, the claim construction. What do the claims of the patent mean? Mm -hmm. and, and the reason that that's a good issue for appeal is because it's a question of law and the federal circuit won't defer to the PTAB as to the meaning of the claim terms. For issues like fact issues, like whether you know one expert says the patent's obvious, the other expert says it's not, that's ultimately underlies a question of, of fact, and the Federal Circuit will uh, look at that, and the standard there is substantial evidence. So it's much more likely that the PTAB will get affirmed in a situation where you're appealing an issue that's a fact issue as opposed to a, a question of law. 
I see. I see. Sounds like we've got a, a structural issue here in terms of capacity. So let's go to Matt for a second. How does PTAB manage the workload, their workload, litigants' workload? Are they doing anything to streamline this process at the PTAB? You're exactly right. So there's only a limited number of PTAB judges. The board and the patent offices said they're happy with the number of judges that they have. They don't want to decrease the quality of the ALJs by hiring more. They think they have a, a good stable of highly trained administrative law judges, but mm-hmm. there's a bandwidth issue, and uh, the board only has enough time to to hear and you know write opinions and administer full trials for a certain number of cases per year. So there are a couple practical effects that we've seen over the, over the past couple of years. One of those is the rise in discretionary denials of institution of trials. So if your PTAB petition as a petitioner has some flaws in it, maybe uh, looks like it's going to be very complicated for the board to consider so that they would have to expend a lot of resources in your trial more so than another trial, even if there's some merit to your challenge, the PTAB may use its uh, broad discretion that Congress has given to deny institution of your matter and just decide that, you know, that one looks too difficult for us. Uh, We're going to pick another one to hear. Another thing that the Patent Office has taken some affirmative steps, uh, Director Iancu is is really looking to increase predictability and uh, streamline the process. One of the things interesting that they did in 2018 was they introduced uh, a concept called a Presidential Opinion Panel. It's a panel that helps the board identify precedential and informative decisions that future litigants can cite to when arguing issues. With so many cases going through the PTAB, you know, you have thousands of cases per year, thousands more uh, opinions per year being drafted on all these different topics. It's very common to have conflicts among those decisions. And the Presidential Opinion Panel streamlines the designation of informative and precedential opinions, where originally that process was very complicated. Uh, you had to have a, a case be nominated and then voted on, uh, and 50% or more of the judges had to agree that that case should be precedential or informative. Now that process is, is significantly streamlined, and as a result, we've had many more precedential opinions being identified in a, in a shorter amount of time. Just in the last three months, I see 10 precedential opinions identified where in past years we were seeing maybe three or four in an entire year. Okay, so sounds like they're trying to make progress in terms of addressing the, the volume of uh, potential matters they're looking at. But let me ask you both candidly, is this discouraging to clients? I mean, they look at what they're up against in terms of, oh my gosh, my case might not get hurt for a while, and it's, there's a 75% chance it's going to say I'm, it's affirmed. What kind of feedback do you get from a client in terms of, all right, here's the process, but I got to be realistic sometimes in terms of what might happen. What do you hear from people? I'll go back to one of our earlier podcasts. We talked about the advantages for the petitioner in particular, Dave. And, and those, those still exist today, that if you're faced with a, a patent infringement lawsuit in the United States and you're the defendant, which typically then means you would be the petitioner at the Patent Trial and Appeal Board challenging the, the patent you've been accused of infringing, mm-hmm. that the probability of knocking that patent out at the Patent Trial and Appeal Board is twice or more better than if you're in front of a jury in the district court. Oh. That still remains. And also the cost is, is a significant factor. We've talked about this before. The cost of patent infringement litigation in the United States is extremely high. And by contrast, conducting a matter at the Patent Trail and Appeal Board, although it's not inexpensive, 
on its own is much less expensive than in a district court case. So, you know, as, as things continue to evolve, the, the advantages for the petitioner, the challenger still remain. And, and I think that's why you're seeing this year a large number of these petitions being filed. And I think that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. I think the numbers still are in the petitioner's favor. Cases are still getting instituted 65% of the time. And once instituted, claims are still getting knocked out at 80% of the time. It's a, it's a bit harder for petitioners these days. There's mm-hmm. some more hurdles. But I think at the end of the day, if the numbers are still good for petitioners, petitioners are still going to head to the PTAP. Good enough. Good enough. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Let's go back to Dave for a second. Seems like in every one of our programs, we come back around to the SAS Institute victory, and justifiably so. Monumental decision, and, and Jones Day was there with the client from day one. Give us an update, Dave, on some of the effects of SAS Institute. It's been, what, almost a year and a half now? We're coming up on just, just a year from the a year. decision. Okay. So believe it or not, Dave, there's actually people like Matt and I who practice in front of the Patent Trial and Appeal Board. We actually have our own bar association now. There's this, <laughs> this organization called the PTAB Bar Association, oh. um, which uh, has been around for, for a couple of years now. But they have, a, they have an annual meeting in March, and I just, I just came back from it a couple of weeks ago. And I can tell you, it was wildly attended. There was five to 600 people who attended the PTAB Bar Association meeting <laughs> this year. It was, it was literally standing room only at the ballroom down in Washington. It was literally all SAS all the time. Really? Every single panel was talking in some way, shape, or form about the SAS case. So the question of what impact has it has, what what are the effects of it, it's still being worked out. You you Um, told me a year ago, you said, this is big. This is bigger than anything. This is big. Not that I doubted you, but you're telling me now that that was the, the focus of this conference, right? They literally spent two days talking about a lot of topics, but the SAS case infects almost every issue. And so it's, it's an ongoing thing. What we are starting to see, though, and I um, thought about our first conversation back in June of 2018 when we talked about the decision. And at that time, I said that I thought that the SAS case would ultimately have a number of benefits. And one of the benefits which we're starting to see is that people are starting to focus their petitions. So instead of petitioners coming in with five or six or eight different attacks on the patent, some of which are meritorious, some of which are not so good, mm-hmm. they're starting to focus more on just a couple that are really good. And part of the reason they're doing that is that the PTAP has discretion whether to institute at all. And so if you come in with a petition that has a couple of good things, but also has a bunch of garbage in it, they can just say, you know what, we're not going to deal with this. We're going to deny the petition. And we're starting to see some cases come out where the Patent Trail and Appeal Board, although they could have gone forward because they have the discretion to do so, mm-hmm. because the petition was not so good in other respects, they said, you know what, we're not, going to, we're not going to take the time to deal with this one. And so it's denied in total. So that's, you know, one of the things we're starting to see is that the SAS cases had a positive impact on the quality of petitions, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, people are cleaning up their arguments a little bit, it sounds like, and being a little exactly. more efficient and, and smart about it, maybe. What about for patent owners, Matt? Any change from SAS Institute for them? I mean, I think the big one is is at the institution phase. A lot of folks think, and, and the numbers uh, bear it out, that your, your best chance of getting out of a PTAB challenge against your patent is to get institution denied, because once you're in a trial, it's an uphill battle. And so early on after SAS, where now the board has to institute an entire trial as presented by the petitioner or, uh, or not at all, the thinking was that as a patent owner in your preliminary response, you would only present arguments 
that would be wholly dispositive of the petition, things that would knock the entire petition out, or if you were only going to go after and make arguments that would rescue a, a dependent claim or two, but there would still be other matters present in the case, you would think, well, the board has to institute the whole thing. They're going to do that if any of the grounds are, are good enough to go forward. So we're, all, we're going to limit the arguments we make in our preliminary response to those that are 100% knockout. As Dave was mentioning there, the board's discretion has come into the calculus, and even some of the recently designated uh, precedential and informative decisions have talked about how the PTEP has this discretion. And yeah, they have to uh, institute the entire case or not at all, mm -hmm. but if 80% of the case is bad and only 20% of it is good, the PTEP has the discretion to deny institutions. Now that we're a year out from SAS, you know, the thinking maybe is bending back towards making some of those arguments that part of this petition is bad or most of this petition is bad. And even if a little bit of it is good, the board should exercise its discretion and, and deny institution. So it's interesting to see the flux in the popular strategies evolve on a weekly or in a monthly basis as more decisions come out and we see what's worked for other folks. Sure, sure. Did you see that coming, by the way? You mentioned some flux and there's some pushback you know, things progress, things go back. Did you predict that or, or do you think the trend was just going one direction? I think if uh, if the board starts exercising their discretion less, then maybe we, we head back in the other direction. But uh, folks are keeping an eye on decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. And there are a number of blogs, including our PTAB litigation blog, that are tracking these things and, and putting out articles three or four times a, a week. Sure. So and people really have a pulse on this and uh, strategies are adapted on a weekly basis, like I said, uh, depending on what's working that day. Sure. And I'm, I'm not just saying this. If you don't believe me, run down to my office. I've got it in my notes. I was going to say, ask them to plug the PTAB blog. So where can people find that again? It's at ptablitigationblog.com. ptablitigationblog.com. Sounds great. Hey, we will do this again, right, next quarter, if not sooner. And in the meantime, we'll make sure we link to the PTAB blog when we push this podcast out, the previous podcast, your publications. You guys do an outstanding job. So thanks so much. It's always great talking with you, too. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dave. All right. That was see fun. All thanks, right. Dave. Take care. All right. See you next time. Thanks. For more information on intellectual property law at Jones Day, visit jonesday.com. Subscribe to Jones Day Talks on Apple Podcasts, Android, Google Play, and Stitcher. And one more time, don't forget to check out Matt and Dave's blog at ptablitigationblog.com. Thanks for listening to Jones Day Talks. I'm Dave Dalton. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.